My first guest for this special podcast series, Rising Resilient, is Dr. Carmen Morrison. Her specialization is parenting, brain health, relationships, and mind-body nutrition. Carmen has a PhD in clinical psychology. She's got an MA in theology, an MA in education, and is certified as an integrative mental health practitioner. Dr. Morrison's been licensed as a psychologist for almost two decades and also set up an online dimension under the umbrella brand of Ally.Health. That's A-double-I-I. And the view there was to reach more people who are stuck and looking for the ultimate brain reset, the so-called magic wand. But in her interview, when you hear how she speaks about resilience and the neuroscience underneath it, bear in mind she and her husband also run a significant non-profit operation working in developing countries afflicted by trauma. Her work is far-reaching and highly impactful. Getting to know both Carmen and Bob as their business coach, I often wonder how they sustain such in-depth and demanding work. So I was very keen to get her on the show to talk about it with you. What I love about her mission is that she loves coaching, maybe less so all the marketing and sales part of growing the business. But as her husband, Bob, often remarks in our business development sessions, Carmen comes alive and does her best work when she gets to come alongside you and help you discover ways to get unstuck. And that, for her, is one of the most thrilling things. On their website, ally.health, where you'll find more about the work, she explains this brilliantly. She says, I love to take things that seem really complex and break them down into small pieces. She's a certified brain health professional in addition to being a licensed psychologist. She set up Ally to help people who don't really need therapy, but just need help knowing how to take the next step. In her Rising Resilient interview here, you'll want to listen in to her insights on coping and empowerment. She talks about resilience in a way you might not have thought about before. As a non-profit and healthcare therapist and as an entrepreneur, Carmen has made significant strides in her business through resources, courses and coaching, especially in creating user-friendly digital interfaces to complement and extend her clinic work. Her resilience is evident in her ability to navigate the highly competitive health industry while juggling the demands of a high-potential non-profit in third-world countries. Come tune in. Welcome to the Leverage Business Podcast, where we believe business success is about working smarter, not harder. Leveraging your time and expertise in ways that fit the digital age you and your clients live in today. I'm your host, Jay Allison, author of Leverage Consulting in the Digital Age and founder of the iSuccess Business Academy. And every episode, I'll be sharing insights into how you can apply the power of leverage to grow your consulting, coaching, or other expert services business and create true freedom and independent success with mindset, marketing, and money model breakthroughs. Because when you get leveraged, the sky's the limit. Let's go for it. Hello, Carmen. Hi, how good to see you and welcome to the Leverage Business Podcast. It's really great to have you here as my guest. You're the first one in this series. What comes up really frequently is this, this sense of uh, resilience in the people that I work with, you know, what keeps them going, what gets them up when they fall down, how do they work through problems and stuff. And 
obviously, Carl, in your work's a lot to do with the ultimate brain reset and like really right. getting into the mindset yeah. piece of how we tackle challenges and, and changes in our life. So words like confidence, self-compassion, particularly and courage came up quite a lot. So let me start with this first question. What part of that theme when I invited you to this speaks to you the most and why? Well, actually, it was just the word resilience because I love thinking about what makes resilient. Life is just hard <laughs> in so many ways and very rarely is anything just a linear start here, get there kind of a process. And so, especially as I work in different places around the world, it's not, it's really clear to me that, that it's not about life being a certain way or needing things to be a certain way in order for you to be okay. It really is about what you can do in spite of how circumstances are moment to moment. And so that that word for me is just really important. It's what enables us to thrive and not just be bound to circumstances. Well, and that's the thing, isn't it? It's thrive, not just survive. That comes up right. as well. And that's what we're all wanting is not just to get through the week, but to actually feel yeah. that we have done something worthwhile, that we feel joyful, that we yeah. feel fulfillment, et cetera, et cetera. Tell us a little bit about the clients that you support. And I know you've got several sort of strings to your bow and, and different kind of businesses going right. on. But in the context of what you've just said about resilience, tell us a little bit about your business, your clients, your nonprofit work. So business-wise, I have two different businesses. So I have a private practice that I work in as a psychologist and run. And then I also have a coaching business where I work to people how to work with their brain, which is all about resilience and work to help their brain wire in a way that serves them for the long haul throughout the different things that they go through in their lives or have to face. So that's, that's one context. And then the other context in my nonprofit work is working in urban poor and urban slum communities in the developing world to bring self-led grassroots facilitated programs that take kind of the cutting edge of neuroscience and trauma healing and put it in the hands of people that don't have any resources so that they can be resilient, so that they can rise above the, the things of their circumstances and, and environments. And so really the way it comes up is, is varied uh, for all of us. Like, I don't know um, that you could ever just say that it's always this way for for everybody. But the struggles really with resilience come up when when we feel like our circumstances overwhelm our resources or what we're facing overwhelms the capacity that we have to respond to that. And just that fact, that kind of at a brain level, just the fact that I feel like there's a demand on me that I cannot face puts us into a sense of a danger mode. And so resilience comes from a sense that I have resources I can tap into or I know where to find resources because that keeps me from feeling that overwhelm, helplessness, impotence, which is so disabling. And that doesn't matter. It doesn't make any difference whether you're in New York City, London, or, you know, a slum in, in uh, New Delhi. It doesn't make any difference. It's what do we have the resources for? 
and whether or not we feel those resources are sufficient or if they're overwhelmed for us at a given point in time. So if I'm hearing correctly, in a sense, it's going from that feeling of being out of control or overwhelmed by the circumstance to feeling more empowered and tapping into resources that can help you get back into control is probably oversimplifying it. Yeah, I'm not even sure I would use the word control as much. It's more that, that I have options. Okay, so that there's some sense of autonomy that I'm not stuck. Stuck is like the worst thing for us as human beings. It really undoes us at every level of our being, particularly in our neurology. And so when something happens that makes us feel stuck, helpless, that there's no options, no, nothing I can do, that, that perception of a situation is the one that undoes us the most. And it more is about having actionable things that I can do some place of action that I can direct myself into is much more important than being a feeling because we really have very little control over things in life. I'm very fond of saying the only thing we really have control over is ourselves. And even that's a tough job. So outside of ourselves, it's really pretty impossible to control what happens or what people do. But whether when I have different avenues that I can take or different ways that I can think about it or different things that I can try, then I'm not stuck. So I would see it more as a, a factor of being stuck versus not stuck where I have something I can do rather than control. Yeah, no, it's another way of, of looking at it, which is which is great. I mean, I, I've had other people kind of talk about control, so I wanted to get your perspective on it. And I know that you're a lot about kind of getting unstuck. And that word in itself mm -hmm. is, is when people, they don't know what action to take. So, so how do you, how do you kind of help people either like, I mean, like we're doing business coaching, but how do you do it in your practice or in your nonprofit mm -hmm. working with those people where they're not sure they need some guidance on what action to take and, you know, what's the neurology that you help them to right. use to tap into? Yeah. So I, I focus less on what action to take mm -hmm. and more on how do you find actions that can be taken? How do you develop those? Because um, if you need me to tell you what action to take, then you're always going to need me to tell you what action to take. But if I can help you learn to think about the fact that there are actions and how do I explore those and how do I connect with the possibilities then you'll find the actions and you can kind of process those and, and learn how to choose which action you want to try first, much more so than telling you which action to take. So even at a brain level, one of the things I like to talk about is how you get your brain ready to do something new, to do something different. The, the fact of the matter is there are probably 10 different things that you can do that are all equally effective at a neurobiological level. So it doesn't really matter which one you do. Find the one that works for you. Find one that, that fits for you and just do that. And even psychologically, we know that if you do anything, even if it's an ineffective thing in the short term, doing something is always going to be better than doing nothing. Because doing nothing leaves you stuck and helpless. And, and like I said, that just undoes us. So just, just being mobilized in any way to try something is going to get us moving. And then as we do that, if we have that, have developed the, the foundational capacities, which I can talk about, then as we're in motion, we can learn from that. 
And that's a huge part of resilience is being able to learn from our experiences, to see even setbacks or failures as gifts, as things that teach us something, as things that have something to tell us. But the foundational things that we have to have to draw from so that we don't feel overwhelmed or stuck really start, first of all, with our attachments, our connections with others. And whether we have that personal resource, whether we have somebody who can just sort of pat us on the shoulder and say, they're there, and it's all going to be all right. We all need those places to just kind of fall apart. And I put that in quotes because we're not really falling apart. We're just feeling the frustration of a moment or the setback of a moment. And have somebody who just kind of soothes that just a little bit so that we can get back up, dust ourselves off and keep going. And we know from, from research is this like super solid repeated place of research is that when we have those secure connections with others, that's the number one thing for resilience around the world. Doesn't matter what culture you come from. If you have somebody that you can kind of fall apart with and they can say they're there, we're going to be far more resilient in spite of the circumstances or how difficult things are or, or what part of the world we live in. Resilience comes from those connections first and foremost. So that's the number one thing. Do we have somebody that we let ourselves do that with? A lot of times in Western cultures, we have these notions that we're supposed to just do it ourselves. <laughs> and that actually can work against work against the built-in resilience that our bodies have. Yeah, particularly in the, the typical British thing is like, Stiff up on it, keep on going, right. that kind of thing. It was interesting. Well, yeah, in the U.S., it's more pull yourself up by your own bootstraps, right? Yeah, because yeah. There's something more, more noble and valuable about doing it yourself than about doing it yeah. with others. And yet that works so against everything of how we are wired and how we're, how we're designed to function. And just, just knowing that and, and, and accepting that is actually a real load off. Huge, all by itself. Yeah, and yet still be <laughs> I was struck by what you said. The number one thing around the world is that, you know, that attachment and that need to. Yeah, yeah, that, that's, that's amazing. That's amazing. And I'm also joining up the, the not being stuck with the mobilizing that you're talking about, of taking some kind of action. Um, I mean, typical phrases, you can't, you can't steer a parked car. Um, but it's also right. something about that. And the lessons in falling over as well as if you're falling apart, it's also okay to fall over sort of thing. But yeah, just keeping going. What about when, when people feel that, well, no, let me, let me ask this a different way. There's, there's two things that seem to be coming up. One is that a lot of people have got this sort of hidden buried trauma and, you know, we're triggered by a lot of things. And then all of a sudden, like we have this sort of stress, we can't cope, we feel stuck, we, you know. And then at the other times, it's like a, a slower uneasiness, restlessness, sort of feeling a little bit lost in life. From a neurology or psychology point of view, you know, what's going on in those kind of two different scenarios? Well, when you have some kind of a trauma, so we're talking about something that at a previous point in time has overwhelmed my resources, and that is kind of and the definition of trauma is an event that overwhelms my resources that I perceive as dangerous or threatening. That's kind of the classic definition of trauma. And so when I have had that experience and it, there was nothing that resolved that and that gets triggered, what happens in the brain is it's really kind of fascinating because those kinds of traumas are perceived as 
existence related, meaning, you know, my survival depends on this, which by the way, not having safe, secure people in my life is a trauma all by itself. And we know that neurologically. It does the same thing to the brain as somebody bursting into the room with a gun in their hands does, like the brain does the exact same thing. So when we have those moments that, that are these survival kinds of moments, the brain hardwires that in instantaneously. It's like a one trial learning situation. And we also know that it never lets that wiring go because it figures it's not sentient by itself. But if we gave it sentience, the brain sort of figures, uh, you you need it this once to survive. I better hang on to it just in yeah. case you need it yeah. at another point in your life. And what happens then as we're going through life is we hit a circumstance that has features of whatever that was. And the brain goes, ooh, 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 I know what this is about. Hey, I got something that'll help you. And it pulls out that whole trauma response and it puts us into survival mode. Not necessarily because the moment in the present tense requires that, but it's just because that's the wiring that that's we have yeah. that was put in place. So when we get triggered, when we talk about being triggered, that's what's happening to us. And when we know that that's what's happening to us, we can actually give that a different meaning then. We can just go, oh, brain, thank you so much for reminding me that we have that back there in the file. I actually don't need that quite so much right now, but I appreciate that you have that on hand just in case. Like if I know where it's coming from, I know that it doesn't mean I am in danger. I just feel like I'm in danger because my brain is recognizing something about this situation that links up with the previous one. Then it actually enables us to have insight into the situation that enables us to think through with my resources today that I probably didn't have when that whatever got triggered happened. What resources do I have differently now that I can use to respond to the situation that I didn't have when I was 8, 10, 12, whatever uh, the circumstance was. So that's in the triggering sense, that's what's going on. And when we are in that place where I think the words you use were like restless or what were some of the other words you had? Uneasiness or just feeling lost. Mm, uneasiness, yeah. So one of the things that I, I like to, to help people think about is the fact that emotions are just messengers. They tell us not something about outside reality. They tell us about how we're being affected by the things that are happening around us. So they're really important messengers with information about yourself. So for, let me give you an example of that. If I feel overwhelmed, which happens very frequently to me because I do way more than a human being should be attempting to do at any given moment in time. So overwhelm is just part I'm of that. It, right? <laughs> so you have those moments where you're just like, oh my goodness, no way this can ever be done. I can't do this. What was I thinking? And this is all going to fall apart if I don't. And you get in those moments. If I listen to that, if I pull back and I go, okay, Carmen, what is this saying to me about me? Well, what it's saying to me is that right here and now, there's, there's some options. Either A, I've done, I've taken on more right now than, than was sensible or wise. And I need to make some decisions and prioritize and put some things off to the side and focus on things so that I can feel that I have more capacity for what I'm undertaking. So that might be one thing it's saying to me. Not a pet thing. It's just saying you're doing you're doing too much. Pick and choose and, and focus in on what's most important. Two, it might be saying that I'm lacking resources. So when I step back and reflect on that, I might go, well, you know what? It's not that I'm trying to do too much. It's just that I don't have this piece that I really need. Where can I find that piece? 
when I hear those emotions as information, it, it'll start helping me tune into what is it that I'm really needing right now so that I can take action, which you'll hear as a theme. If we don't take action, nothing happens in the brain. So we, we take it then into a place of action. And, and now we're out of that stress. We're out of the, the overwhelm of that because we're mobilized. So really, one of the key things I help people do is to think about what, what are these emotions telling me about me? And then what does that inform about what I want to do or could choose to do right now that takes me in a different direction? I love that. I'm scribbling notes like crazy because this is actually really, really helpful for coaching generally as well. But I, I think this, there's a sort of a third category perhaps than, than what you've just described. So we've talked about the trauma and the triggers and the sudden, oh, there's a similarity, we go into flight, flight, and then kind of talking yourself off the ledge. Category one. Category two feels more like I'm, I'm overwhelmed, too much to do. You know, I'm not coping. Maybe you tell yourself like some bad things about yourself, about how you're not very good, et cetera, et cetera. And then you kind of go into like, how, how do I unpick this? How do I make it more manageable? But there's category three, which I think is a little bit more by stealth, which is where I was coming from on the feeling lost. And it's kind of a like midlife crisis kind of thing that often hits us. I'll give you an example from like a, an entrepreneur type of journey. So say you've got someone that's been in a career for a long time. Maybe they're in a corner. They've got a label, a professional identity, like an accountant or a doctor or whatever. And then they, something happens and they change and they decide they're going to start their own business. Right now, I have a lot of clients hate that. That's how they get started. Um, and so then they've got a huge learning curve. They're massively experienced in their technical field massively under-experienced in business and marketing particularly. And they make a go of it and they, they're pushing forward and everything. And then maybe in life as well, there's some change of circumstances. Maybe they're kind of, you know, they're going through a breakup or they've got a problem with their kid or something like that. There's something else going on. And they're always thinking, is this it? You know, is this my lot? It's like, I've got all of this. I've been so successful. I'm building a business. And they just get to that point where something starts nagging away in the back of the head. You come across clients like that where, you know, it's not an event, it's not a circumstance, it's a kind of a build-up of a slow stealth type of uneasiness. Yeah. And I think we do see this a lot with people. Yeah. Um, and, and that's a different kind of resilience or a different kind of solution in terms of applying resilience to that, to get yourself out yeah. of that stock spot. Talk, talk okay. me through well, what's your take on all of that. Yeah. And I've got a little you there, but. Yeah, no, that's okay. Because for me, it, it really does go back though to that second scenario, which is what, what is this telling me? It really is that same thing in the question. It's telling you something. So I'll, I'll just take kind of the scenario that you described with somebody midlife, starting a business, parents, children, maybe throw in a little health thing on the side or, you know, all of the different challenges that you face. At the end of the day, we only have finite resources as human beings. We're not infinite. We can only do so much in a 24-hour period. And we, you know, we were limited to that. And so sometimes it's about being able to step back and go, I, I do need to maybe set some things aside or prioritize some things. So it does come back to what is it telling me? In other circumstances, it might be telling me, like again, using your, your scenario, which is one that, that how we met, which is, 
I'm trying to do something that I don't have the knowledge or the skills for. So what do I need to do about that? Well, I hire a coach. I hire somebody who does have knowledge or skills or I find somebody in my life who maybe has something to contribute because I'm lacking that. Or my, my favorite thing to do is buy a book, right? I'll read a book about something. I, if I'm lacking knowledge or skills, I can go get knowledge and, tra- and training. But I have to ask that question first of well, what is it that I'm lacking or what is it that I'm needing? Some, one of, I think the hardest things in that scenario is when you're at a moment of stepping out into something new. And at a brain level, the unknown always feels dangerous. So uncertainty or unfamiliarity, the reason we experience those as discomforts is because the brain goes on alert, goes on alert for two things. One is a very positive thing, which is it goes on alert, ready for new connections and, and, and new learning and new possibilities. But it also goes on alert in the limbic system of the brain for the possibility of danger. So it's on alert for everything, good and bad. And so that's why we feel that discomfort when we're doing something new. So if I'm at a point in my life where I'm starting something new, switching careers or changing direction in a big way, that's where my brain is at. It's like, ooh, this is exciting and fun. And ooh, this is terrifying and scary because I don't know which way it's going to go. And so being able to to know that is important because if at that time, something else happens like a a divorce or an illness or problems with a child in my family. Now you have another circumstance that adds to the dangerousness. I'm thinking neurologically here, the dangerousness of my circumstance. Now there's something else that is threatening. And so it shifts the brain out of that, oh, this is exciting. Let's learn something new place and much more into that. No, let's hunker down and just survive. We've just got to get through this. And so it really does become in that kind of a scenario, especially when we feel threat or danger, right? That That's sort of a feeling. It's being able to step back and say, what is what are the actual threats that I am experiencing right now? Not just the uncertainty of something new, but actual things that are threatening to me. And that can help focus in on taking actions that put us back into an unstuck place, right? I mean, yeah, but maybe somebody was just diagnosed with, yeah, right. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, my, my spouse was just diagnosed with cancer. I can't do anything about that. But if I have actions that I can take, if I mobilize, I'm not going to feel that same yeah. danger stuck place. Right? So I think that would be, I, even in that scenario, it would come back to, first of all, what is this telling me about me so that I can think about what, are, what do I need to do? Do I need to embrace this because it's just the feeling of doing something new? Or are there um, things adding to a sense of threat or uncertainty or dangerousness that I need to look for options about so that I can be mobilized to take action in those areas? And that sounds very grown up. <laughs> Right. I mean, I suppose that's one way to look at it. Well, no, I think one of the difficulties is like the child of us comes out a little bit of like, you know, don't want to do. But but it's like what I'm also hearing is like there's a consciousness and a a subconsciousness that kind of comes at you Um, in terms of the analysis. It's like the subconscious is like working behind the scenes based on all your past experience and traumas and all the rest of it. And then there's a consciousness that you can bring to the analysis where you can start to look at well, what are the actual things going on? What's the actual emotion? Where is it coming from? What are the actual threats? Is the phrase you used 
rather than just this sort of sense of overarching uncertainty, which which worries us actually to stop pinning it down. Is that what you're saying? No, because if if there's a perceived threat, which is an actual threat at a brain level, the brain doesn't make any distinction between seeing somebody in a movie getting killed or being in a situation where I'm going to, you know, the the brain doesn't make any difference. It's like the same thing. It's our perception of that that shifts how dangerous that feels. And so it is an actual danger either way. But one is it's kind of perceived danger versus the danger of somebody bursting into the room with the machine gun, right? Those are two different yeah. kinds yeah. of scenarios. And so it's being able to look at whether the feeling, like in the first scenario I gave where it's that I'm in this new place. So there's discomfort because my brain is all awake, ready for me to experience new things. That's actually not danger. It's, it's discomfort, but it's not danger. And so if I know that, then I, I'm going to lean into that. But if it tips to that place where now everything just feels threatening and menacing and like I'm going to be undone by any one of these things, then it's because I'm, I'm, I'm perceiving things or things actually are. That's one of the distinctions to make. Perceiving or things are too, too much. They're too dangerous. There's something I need to attend to there. And so that becomes really important and making that distinction is critical. But I lost the first thing that you said about that, which was... The ability to kind of go from what's going on subconsciously to kind of bring it into conscious. That was the one. Right, right. And, you know, I I think I I wanted to respond to that because really all wellness is the ability to be conscious about our own selves and our own experience of things. And so when things are not conscious, there's nothing, we, we can't do anything with them. And so they kind of drive us from behind that kind of pushes us, right? Yeah. It's always being pushed. But but that connects with the thing you were saying about being grown up and, you know, mm-hmm. that we have a child who wants someone to tell us what to do. I actually want to put that in a slightly different frame. Please. Because a, a resilient child, a child who has people to turn to, and this is where we know it comes from, a resilient child is going to push them exactly like that. They're going to do it. What I remember, I came home from school one day and people had been picking on me because I'm a redheaded, pancake freckled little girl in a brown skinned, black haired culture. And they'd been teasing me mercilessly. And I came home just crying and crying and crying. And I went in, my dad was there and he picked me up, scooped me into his lap and, and he said, Car, what happened? I told him my terrible tale, you know, whoa, of my day at school. I was, I think, eight, seven or eight times. And and he helped me and he dried my tears. And then he said, well, honey, they're just jealous of you. I, I stopped crying because I had no place to put this new concept. What do you mean? They're just jealous of me. And he said, well, you know, they, they don't match like you do. Like some of your friends have brown eyes and black hair or blue eyes and blonde hair, but you just match like everything, your skin and your eyes and your hair, it all just matches just beautifully. And I just thought I was a million bucks after that conversation with my dad. I went back to school the next day. They started teasing me again. And I just said, well, you're just jealous because you don't match. Never bothered me again after that. Like you could have said anything you wanted to about my freckles or my red hair. Wouldn't have bothered me. So resilience, right? That comes, that child, that secure childlikeness of being able to go, this, this is overwhelming or this is upsetting. Who can I turn to? And then being strengthened by that to go back into that situation 
and take action, that's resilience in a nutshell. And so I think if we, if, if there is that, that kind of childlikeness, I don't think we're actually needing to be adults. We're actually just needing to be healthy, secure children that know who to turn yeah. to when. I don't think there's that much difference there. And it comes back to your point before about having that supportive sort of network of people who will kind yeah. of play back to how awesome you are type of thing. Because yeah. it's really hard to, to do that for yourself. Mm, sometimes. Or just that you're not alone. Like that's yeah. one of those perceptions that if I'm in a hard circumstance and perceive myself as alone, it's way more stressful than if I perceive myself as having support and, and resources. So, well, yes, one of the things that often bad. comes up in our masterminds is people say, I didn't necessarily get the answer to my question, but it's really nice to know that other people were facing the similar challenges. Um, so right. a little right. bit of that going, going on in here as well. I wanted to ask you about personality and how much that comes into everything you've just been saying about how the brain works, because the brain is the brain, right? But but how much does personality impact your ability to implement some of these notions? Mm. I'll just do a quick contrast between personality and temperament. So temperament is just sort of what we're born into the world with. Anybody who's had children knows that the way they come into the world is just who they are. We don't pick that. But then personality sort of gets shaped. So it's a temperament that's shaped by nurturing and experiences over time. What we know when it comes to this stuff about attachment and resilience is that it has nothing to do with personality or temperament. Yeah, it's human. And so whether if, if I came into the world sort of as a slightly anxious child and I had parents who helped me face my fears and who helped me feel like I could take those things on and that I was still going to be okay, then my temperament isn't going to be what dictates where I go from there. It was the help that I received. If I came into the world as a perpetually happy, bouncy person who had no idea how to handle really, really difficult things, and I have somebody then who's there in those moments where things are really difficult, the same thing happens. So it's really, do I have people that help me in those moments? with what I need versus who I am or personality. I love that. I don't know um, if that came out as clearly as I meant it to. No, it, it came out <laughs> you know, okay. Do I have people who'll help me in those moments? I mean, that's just classic. Mm-hmm. I mean, and it's of course why, why people seek out, you know, a coach for business or a coach for life or a therapist right. or they right. go see a friend or they've got a sister right. who, you know, they can talk to who knows them intimately, all exactly. of those things, isn't it? Makes you realize, you know, talking it out. And then is there a kind of a female male sway on that? Actually, there is. That's that's another fascinating thing is that the need for that is no different with between genders. It really is a human universal unifying thing is that we all need that same thing. Now that might look differently in different cultures or it might look different, have a different face Mm -hmm. when we're talking about genders, but the need for that kind of connection is where our resilience is going to come from always, first and foremost. It's back to what we were talking about earlier, though, about like, you know, 
just get on with it and my just <laughs> right it's, yeah. it's kind of an interesting it one. always catches up with us at some point oh well, yeah and I'm, I'm and that's why I'm glad that we at least touched on it because you know these misconceptions right. I think can keep people in their in their own cave when really yeah. it's okay oh. to reach out whatever you're coming from yeah I mean, we've reached the end of our time, so I'm just going to jump to my, like, in a nutshell question. What would you say is your positive superpower for rising resilient for yourself as well as what you just learned? I, I, I think it's this. So there's, a, I, I, I always like the Star Trek series and the Star Trek Next Generation series in particular. So the captain of, of the starship, Jean-Luc Picard, whenever there'd be like, this crisis moment and there'd be incoming torpedoes and explosions happening all over. Everybody's getting thrown across the ship, right? Uh, he would take his chief staff, you know, all the whole, the, the, the main leaders of the ship, and they would go into his ready room and he would put his hands on the table and he would say, I want options. Yes. <laughs> and I, that image is, is my superpower right there because that's what I do. It's like, all right, everything's falling apart. What are my options? They might not be great options, but as long as I have options, there's something that I can do. And so that's, I, I would have to say in my entire life, that was probably my resilient superpower. That's brilliant. I, I would probably be there with you as well, because I've always <laughs> felt and options give you, well, I said control. It gives you a sense of, you know, yeah. I'm able to take action. Agency. Rather than being that agency. Yeah, absolutely. So I love that. And I'm a massive Star Trek fan, also next to this. So you know what I'm talking about. I definitely know what you're talking about. Love to be able to run a business that way as well. Yes. But actually, that's what we did when we were first uh, coaching together was like, okay, so let's look at what are the options, you know, what are we solving for and all of those things uh, to dive in. And I think that's where it comes back to business. We've talked a lot about life and about life experiences, but it's the same in business. It's like when you don't know which way to turn is... It's kind of like let's brainstorm the the options and and see which is yeah. you know the, the the best one to take forward the most likely of success um, right and, and go for it and mobilize <laughs> make it so <laughs> number one yeah. I've been, I've been, it's been an absolute pleasure I'm so glad that we're able to grab some of your time for this and uh, I enjoyed that conversation I think we could probably spend another couple of hours. Diving into some of the such a wealth of knowledge and how it applies to entrepreneurship is is great. Fine. Well, thanks for including me. I feel very honored. Well, I'm honored to have you. Yeah, thank you very much for joining me. Thanks. Hey. Thank you for listening to the Leverage Business Podcast. Want to create leverage in your business? Did this episode provide some insights and ideas to be thinking through? If so, subscribe so you get alerts when the next one's released. If you want to learn more or would like help and support with building a leveraged business that achieves true freedom for you, then head over to jallison.com forward slash podcast to find all the resources and links that go with this show on my website and to join our iSuccess community. And if you're enjoying our content, it would be great if you could pop into Apple Podcasts or the app you listen from and leave me a rating and review. Everyone makes a difference to improving our rankings. So thank you if you've done that already. I appreciate you. So hey, that's it. Thank you for listening. I hope you've loved this episode and have some great takeaways to be thinking through. 
I wish you a pleasant, productive and profitable week. And I'll see you again next time for another episode of the Leverage Business Podcast.